0: Welcome to The Barbell Strikes Back. I'm your host, James McDermott. And on today's show, I want to share a little more insight into how it came to be that I was working with Coach Glenn Penley on his forthcoming book, American Weightlifting. And I want to share all the little stories that I have, uh, some funny things, some things that I learned over my time spent with Coach Glenn Penley. Uh, But first I'll start with, uh, it's kind of funny. He's been on my mind quite a bit recently, and for so many reasons. Uh, Coach Glenn Penley is always gonna be a big part of my life. Uh, And recently, a lot of memories have been popping up in my Facebook feed of just things that we were doing at the time, whether it be a seminar, or me traveling out to Kansas to work on the book. It seems like this type of year, there was always something going on, some big event. Uh, So I've been seeing those Facebook memories And also, uh, we are approaching, it'll be tomorrow, September 5th, the one-year anniversary of his passing. So to say he's been on my mind quite a bit uh, recently would be an understatement as I think about that, and I see all these memories popping up on my Facebook feed, and I've also been closely working with our publisher on the final touches for the book that's going to be coming out in the fall so I've been reviewing all of that material before it gets published and printed. Uh, so I've been thinking about Glenn quite a lot, uh, Think about all the good times that we shared together, and again, just some of the stuff that I learned. Now, for those of you who don't know, Coach Glenn pa- Penley passed away last year of stage four metastatic cancer. Uh, he battled it during the summer of 2019 and lost that battle again on September 5th of 2019. And that was a very hard and difficult time last year for me. And the entire weightlifting world was affected by it because coach Glenn Penley was one of the greatest, if not the greatest American coach to ever live. One of the greatest coaches, certainly in the world that you could ever hope to have. And just a little background on coach Glenn Penley, for those of you who may not know who he is, because I realize there are some listeners of the show that don't have uh, inside knowledge of the weightlifting community. Although I will tell you this, uh, whether you're part of the CrossFit community, kettlebell community, anything involving strength or athletics and sport, you have probably been affected by the work of Glenn Penley and the research that he did uh, or and the accomplishments that he achieved in some way, and you may not even know it. If you're doing five sets of five on squats, uh, if you're doing something that your coach taught you on weightlifting technique, there is possibly a very good chance that it came from Coach Glenn Penley. Especially if you're in the Albany CrossFit Barbell Club, we are a heavily Coach Glenn Penley influenced program to say the least. So, and he taught me a lot on how to coach and I learned so much from him. So if you're one of my athletes, uh, you're one step removed. So just a little insight on his accomplishments uh, Coach Glenn Penley was a USAW Level 5 coach, and Level 5 is the highest accreditation that you can get in the United States as a weightlifting coach. Uh, If you are a Level 5 coach, you have produced champions and you have produced results. Uh, Coach Penley took athletes to the World Championships. He has athletes that medaled at the Pan American Championships and the Pan American Games. Uh, He had over 100 national champions uh, from the youth, senior, and master's levels. So to say that he got results would be an understatement. And that is why he is a level five coach, one of the best, if not the best in the country. Uh, He was also an entrepreneur. So he produced a lot of equipment for weightlifting. Uh, More than likely, if you've been around the, the weightlifting scene, the CrossFit scene for quite some time, have you and you've spent time in gyms that have bumper plates and barbells, you've probably used or seen a Penley barbell or some Penley plates. And there's more behind the, the name on those plates than just it being a, a brand or a piece of equipment. Uh, he was a great man who did a lot of things to raise the level of weightlifting in this country. And that was his life's work, his life's pursuit was to make American weightlifters better and to get us to the point where we're meddling on the world stage and competing with the rest of the world as a clean country. So he accomplished quite a bit and I'm just forever grateful and honored to have known him, to call him a friend, to call him a mentor, and to have learned everything that I have. And we first met Uh, The the story of us first meeting actually goes back to the Dark Orchestra book that I co-wrote with John North. Now, during that whole time, I never met or had an opportunity to speak to Glenn uh, when I was writing that book with John. And if you want to hear about that process, go check out episode 23, where I talk all about uh, meeting John North and writing the book, The Dark Orchestra. But in that book, we do talk about John's relationship with Coach Glenn Penley, and he's a very prominent figure in that book and an influence. And it wasn't until after that book came out that people started to read the book and Glenn must have found out about it in some way. And that book came out in the summer of 2015. On January 1st and January 2nd, 2016, I took a seminar with Travis Cooper, and Travis was one of Glenn's athletes from the Muscle Driver Times and at that seminar I learned a lot from Travis and I also gave Travis one of John North's books I'm um, like hey I wrote this book with John we talk about you a little bit within it and I gave it to him as a gift and we took a photo and I posted the photo all over social media all that stuff so I'm not sure if that's how Glenn found out about the book or got the book uh, at some point during that half a year he did and a couple months later after the Travis Cooper seminar Glenn posted in the weightlifting friends Facebook group hey does anyone know the name of that guy that wrote John North's book with him and Travis Cooper responded to that thread and said yeah it's James McDermott I just met him and he tagged me in that post and I think he either put my email in there or maybe I put my email in there and I sent Travis a DM and I said hey what's what's Glenn's phone number? And Travis gave me the phone number and I called him the next day. That was on a Sunday. I called Glenn on a Monday. It's funny how you never forget some of these things when they're such impactful moments and such big things because I, I'd always wanted to meet Glenn Penley. I wanted to take his seminar. I wanted to to meet him because he's this legendary figure in the sport of weightlifting. And, I, and that and was this was at a time where I was kind of going on a seminar tour after John's book came out, I took every seminar imaginable that I could go to so I could meet more people in the weightlifting community and do a little bit of networking because you never know what might come of it. And this is just a perfect example of something positive to come up of it. And really, it shaped the course of the next four years of my life. So it's a Monday um, in the, the, the yoga, no, not the yoga, the, uh, the massage room at Albany CrossFit, and I put Glenn's number in my phone, and I call him, and I am super nervous. Uh, I, I'm, I'm calling Glenn Penley. I can't believe this is happening. Like, what am I going to say? Hello, my name is James McDermott. You're looking for me? You know, uh, so the phone rings and rings, and he doesn't pick up, and I, he was probably a little busy or something when I called him, and that was like one of those moments of like a little bit of relief. Oh, all right, good. That was that was a, a scary moment. I'm, I'm calling Glenn Penley. He didn't pick up. I'm off the hook. I'll try again later. I'll try again tomorrow. And five minutes later, the phone rings and it's that same number. It's Glenn Penley. Oh, all right. He's calling me. But now it's a little easier to get into the the conversation, I feel, when someone calls you. So he calls me. I said, hello, who's this? He says, oh, hey, this is, this is Glenn Penley. I got a call from his number. And oh, yeah, oh, yeah. My name's James McDermott. I heard you were you were looking for me. It's just kind of funny how it's, it's easier to get into a conversation in that scenario when they call you instead of you calling them. So we start talking and Glenn tells me that he needs someone to help him write his book, American Weightlifting. He already had a bunch of chapters pre-written. He needs help fleshing out new chapters and it'd be nice if someone had some ideas for those as well. Uh, But the main reason that he needed help was because a couple years prior, he had a stroke. And as a result of that stroke, he lost a lot of his eyesight. So sitting at a computer trying to read the screen was not possible. It was very difficult, especially when it comes to managing a manuscript that is several hundred pages long and thousands upon thousands of words. So he needed someone who was able to manage a manuscript and also knows weightlifting. And I knew a little bit at the time, you know, I was involved in coaching, had my USAW level one, yeah. And I had just written John North's book and I was taking all these seminars and, and just getting more immersed into the world and the sport of weightlifting. So we hit it off and we decided to work together. And the process in the early days was one of him sending me a document and me making updates to the document and then sending it back to him. And he would go through on his own. It would take him a few days um, and then he would make little changes and send it back to me to make sure that the changes held and to make sure that nothing got deleted. Uh, the formatting would be off. You know, the, the way I, I described it to him and I was like, Glenn, you're like a, a bull in a china closet. I send you this beautiful, document and you send it back to me and it's everything is is jumbled all over the place because he would have to increase the font size to the largest level like 70 plus and then go through the document word by word line by line and make changes that way and then send it back to me and I'd have to do all this extra changing and stuff like that and that was just the process in the early days we didn't know any better this was a new experience for him And it was a new experience for me to work with someone who can't see what we're working on. And I had suggested early on, and I'll come back to this, said, Hey, what if we both have the document open and I read it to you? I'm going to, I'll read you line by line and you can hear what I'm saying. And if something doesn't sound right, you can tell me to change it and we'll go through things that way. And this was, back in 2016, and he was dead set against it. He's like, nope, nope, that will never work. That's a dumb idea, don't wanna do it. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but it seems like that would be a a little faster, a little more uh, efficient. And for anyone who knew Glenn, you know that Glenn Penley's stubbornness. He he could be a very stubborn person if he wanted to be. Uh, So he was dead set against it, and that idea didn't happen right away. So okay, we're just gonna trade documents back and forth and we'll keep chipping away this way, little by little. And I soon learned that sending him entire chapters was not gonna work. It'd be better if I just sent him sections. So if there was a section that talked about, let's say the penlay row, all right, send the section. He can work on that, send it back. We'll, we'll get that to completion and then we'll move on. Because sending entire chapters wasn't manageable because again, it's imagine taking a document that is 40 pages in length and then increasing the font size to 70 plus. Imagine how big that document is gonna be. It's impossible to get through uh, for anyone. So that's how we kind of chipped away and it wasn't until later that fall, in September of course, because that's when things always came to be where we were gonna see each other, uh, this is a, those early edits were in the spring of 2016. So in the fall of 2016, in September, Glenn came to Albany CrossFit to host a seminar. And that was a lot of fun because I'd always wanted to take his seminar and I also got to meet him in person. And he came, I picked him up at the airport. Uh, he stayed at my apartment when I was living in downtown Albany in the Mayflower building. Shout out to the Mayflower. I miss that building so much and I miss living there. And I had a futon in this apartment that uh, John North had previously slept on, and Ryan Grady slept on, and now Glenn Penley was going to sleep on sleep on it. Uh, so that that futon had some some history uh, with it, wherever it may be to this day, because I, I don't have it anymore. And um, I told Glenn, "Hey, uh, the futon is is a little flimsy. It, it, it'll flip if you get too close to the edge of it." And Glenn Penley was a large man, and I am not a large man. I'm 5'5", 180 pounds. So if I get to the edge of that futon, it flips. If he gets to the edge of that futon, it is going to be an epic crash. Like this thing is going to do a flip through the air because he's over six feet tall, close to 300 pounds. He's a very large man. So I I warned him, and, you know, like he – he went to bed. I went to bed. And at some time in the middle of the night, I'm abruptly awoken. And I'm like, what? it sounded like someone kicked in the door to the apartment because it's a small studio style apartment. And the walls in this building are very thin. People on the floor below us to the side all over must have heard this crash. I hear this wham and I go running out there and he's on the floor and he's like, flipped it. So <laughs> he gets up and we, we set the futon back up again. And it's just, it's just funny um, the, the, that that happened, you know, cause of course if you're in a place that you, you don't, you aren't in regularly and you forget, okay, they told me this thing flips and he's so he was bigger than the futon. So of course he's going to get to the edge of it. And I was just waiting for it to happen and it happened and it flipped. And it was just a funny moment of uh, just, it, again, it sounded like someone kicked in the door the way this thing went off, and uh, we definitely woke up half the building when that happened, so. The next day, you know, no other incidents throughout the night with the futon, uh, the next day, we go to Albany CrossFit for the seminar, and the cool thing about this seminar is that, at the time, most of the seminars I had been to were predominantly technique-driven, and you see, the thing about Coach Glenn Penley is that he is an innovator, he was an innovator, He was someone who was going to look at what everyone else is doing and think about, okay, what can I do that's different, that sets me apart or what can I do to make this all better? Uh, he just had an amazing mind to be able to do stuff like that. So he approached his seminar from the angle of teaching people how to train. And he had done plenty of technique seminars and he's like, you know, uh, by this point, everyone knows technique or, you know, everyone's been exposed to it. There's so many coaches out there now teaching weightlifting. There's so many seminars out there that teach you how to do technique. I want to teach people how to train, how to be a weightlifter uh, and go through the training process and using strength exercises to get better and talk about all of that. And he certainly did. And he, he taught technique at the seminar. You know, he taught his three-step top-down method, hips, knees, and shins, and everything in between, and how to do the snatch, but it wasn't the entire weekend. It was like half the day, and then we got right to training. We started to do snatch and clean and jerk workouts um, across both of those days, and also all of the accessory strength exercises that you would do with that. So we were essentially turning into a giant barbell club At this seminar on just doing the complete training and he would teach the movement and we would do the complete workout and sometimes I would be the demo and this is where uh, this is where Glenn got to torture me a little bit maybe he was he was letting off some steam on on some of the 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 arguments we had on the document and going back and forth earlier on uh, in our relationship but he certainly tortured me at this first seminar when he taught the jerk step now, if you've never done a jerk step before, uh, it's, it's it looks at first glance like it's a walking lunge, but it's not. What you're doing is you have a barbell on your back, and you take a step forward into your split stance that you would use for the jerk, and then you recover the feet in the same way you would want to when recovering from a jerk. You slide the back foot back, front foot back, and then you bring the back foot forward and then you take another step, and you slowly inch your way forward across the room in that manner. And if you're recovering your feet in the correct way, you will move forward. Versus on a walking lunge, you would just take a giant step forward. This is kind of inching forward in your split stance by recovering front foot back, back foot forward. And the benefit of this jerk step is that you are going to be working on that split position without the limitation of the overhead part of the jerk which is the limiting factor for a lot of people now the bar is on your back so you just need to step into the split brace be in the correct position ideally or adjust to it and then recover and take another step and you can really overload the split position because you're going to use weights that are way heavier than what you can jerk and i believe at the seminar he was having people use about 90% of their one rep max back squat, which is damn heavy to be able to do this jerk step with. I, I, I had to modify it. I wasn't able to do 90% of my back squat. Uh, well, I'll talk about what I did here in a second. So the jerk step is, is great for that. Uh, it's also great for ironing out imbalances between the two hips and legs that come as a result of doing just so much weightlifting and so much splitting. You know, you can do a lot of back squats that will help to keep your legs balanced, but this is just a great way to let the left leg or the back leg shine by stepping forward with that one too. So the prescription would be, let's say you got 90% your Warner max back squat on your back and you were gonna do 10 steps forward with the right leg, then do 10 steps back with the left leg. And that's where you get that left leg work if let's say that's normally your back leg. So we, we were doing that and he needed a demo. Now, just before we went into the jerk step lecture and practice and workout, we had gone to lunch. So we went next door. There's a Chipotle across from Albany CrossFit. And he explained to everybody, hey, we're doing hard training. Uh, you need to eat food. Weightlifters eat a lot of food. You need to fuel your body. And he encouraged me to eat a lot of food with a devilish smile on his face. Uh, so, and when I go to Chipotle, I keep it real at Chipotle. I'm getting quad meat, double chicken, double carnitas, or double chicken, one steak, one carnitas. Like, you, know, I'm getting four servings of meat and I'm watching them intently to make sure that it's four full servings. If it looks like I got three and a half, hey, hey, give me a little more carnitas here. We need a little more there. So I got that, I got the rice, I got the beans, I got the guac, I got the cheese, I got the sour cream, I got the corn salsa. This thing is exploding. And I eat it. And you know, we're hanging out at lunch, we're talking about the what the plan's gonna be for the second half of the day. Uh, we're talking to you know other attendees of the seminar, and then we head on back, and it's time to talk about jerk steps. So he has a couple people do the jerk steps right off the bat. And they weren't quite getting the technique down and they weren't quite getting the sequence down. Uh, What they were doing was they were taking a step and then stepping all the way back and not moving forward across the room. So what he did was uh, uh, when it didn't work out the first time for the first demo, he started saying, hey, oh, hey, yeah, where's James? James, where are you at? And he knows I just ate a giant burrito and I'm ready to explode but he has this huge smile on his face and he's so happy he's like James I need you to demo the jerk step and I'm like oh all right he's like how much weight do you want and, he's, and he's, I, I tell him oh, my like, well let's put some some 45s on there I'll just I'll demo 135 he's like nope nope it's got to be heavier it's got to be heavier let's put two 45s on either side so 225 pounds and there was no warm-up there was no warm-up The warm up was the burrito I had at Chipotle. There was no warming up with the bar. There was no stretching. I'm coming into it cold right after lunch. He's got 225 loaded on the bar, and I'm about to do 20 steps, 10 with the right, 10 with the left, uh, across the room and back. And let me tell you something. If you've never done the jerk step before, it feels like a 20 rep max back squat in the way that your upper body and your traps burn from holding the bar, in the way that your legs turn to jello, and in the way that your lungs burst in the flames on fire because of the metabolic stimulus there. Oh my goodness, it was, it was rough. But you know what? He stuck with me every step of the way. Uh, you know, He was coaching me every step, You know, having me hold it, unfortunately, to correct my back knee on some of the steps with my left leg. Because I wasn't as good at bending the back knee on that one as I was the other one, and Glenn was very, very big on having that back knee bent and having the back thigh uh, perpendicular to the floor when you're in that split position. So he'd have me hold things and redo things, and I got 225 on my back, and I'm I'm just dying. I'm I am suffering, and he's loving every second of it. He's like, "You're doing great." He's coaching me up and laughing, and I finally get through with it, and that Chipotle, I don't know how that Chipotle didn't come back. <laughs> it didn't come back up because it certainly felt like it wanted to. So that was the first time he tortured me at that seminar. And, and we, we taught and, and learned the jerk step. And he had the whole class do it after that with dumbbells. And then uh, later on in the day, uh, we ended with step-ups on a box. And the thing for me with step-ups is if it's a 24-inch box and I put my foot up on that box... My knee is above my nipples on my chest. Like I'm doing a deeper full depth squat than I would normally do to get up on that box because I got short little legs and a long torso. So he wants me to demo box step-ups with heavy dumbbells. And I come over with 30-pound dumbbells. Demo weights, right? I'm demoing. And he's like, nope, nope, nope. It's too light, James, too light. And he brings me the 50s. So this is 100 pounds of dumbbell weight in my hands. And, and I got to get up on this box for 10 reps with the right leg again, 10 reps with the left leg again. And it took it took me forever to do these, these step-ups. Uh, it had to have at least been five minutes to do 20 step-ups. As I'm struggling to get up on that box, I'm swinging the dumbbells and my legs are on fire and I'm going to fall off of this box and I'm dying and people are cheering me on at the seminar the way they would when you're finishing a CrossFit workout after you've done several rounds of of who knows what. And I could barely walk after that. <laughs> I don't think I did the other accessory exercises when we did the rest of the training. But what he was, he was torturing me for sure. But what he was also showing me and what I learned was what hard, Training really is. You know, what what like like training is really hard and and you should be going heavy on those accessory exercises, and it should be a hard effort on everything that you're doing. And I learned that weekend what hard training was. And I've I've been doing years of training. Doesn't doesn't mean that I was slacking in any sense of the word on when I did CrossFit or when I was doing weightlifting, you know certainly making all kinds of progress, but let me tell you what, Len Penley showed me a whole new definition of hard training because we also did a full snatch workouts before all that, full clean and jerk workouts and a ton of accessory lifts and everything in between. And that was just an eye-opening experience on how hard training could be. and I've never been that sore from a training session since or or, or before that, like that was just, again, an eye-opening experience and a brutal one. I couldn't walk right for the entire rest of the week. So that that was great. Uh, We finished out that seminar. Glenn went back to Kansas and actually a couple weeks later, later on in the month, he came back to New York, flew into Albany, and we drove out to Intrepid Strength and Conditioning uh, shout out to Ryan Hansen. We had him on the podcast a bunch of episodes ago to do another seminar. And this one was a little different uh, because I had the opportunity to assistant coach a little bit at this seminar and learn from Glenn in a different way. And I'm incredibly grateful to have had that experience to help out at a seminar. You see, when we went there, there was a, a one one lady who came to the seminar who had never done weightlifting before. She had no idea what a snatch or clean and jerk was. I think she had maybe just joined the gym and this was gonna be her first experience with weightlifting. Uh, her name was RJ Trank, uh, so shout out to RJ Trank if she happens to be listening. Uh, but we both learned a lot that day. She learned about weightlifting and I learned a little bit about coaching. Uh, right before the seminar, uh, Glenn informed me that you know she's never done weightlifting before and hey, Uh, would you mind hanging out near her and making sure she's caught up with the group? And when he's going around working with people, work with her because everyone else in the group has done a snatch and clean jerk before. So while they're working out and snatching and clean and jerking, they're going to be okay on their own. And Glenn can kind of move around the group and coach each of them. And it's okay that they're waiting for him to get there. But with her, she's never done this before. So she's just going to kind of be all on her own, and she needs a little more attention. So he had me hang out with RJ, and I would teach her again after he taught the group, and we'd just kind of work together. And Glenn would periodically come around and work with her and kind of see what I was doing. And this was a notable experience as well, because this was one of the first times I got a compliment from Coach Glenn Penley, which I didn't get many, didn't get many, but they always stand out in my mind when he came by and we were working on the pen lay step one from the hips, the power position, snatches from there. And I I took her through that part and he watched and she did the snatch and he, he gave a, a couple extra cues there and he gave a good job to her and he said, not bad, not bad to me uh, that I was able to get her to the spot she was at. And that was a, that was a nice moment when I, when I heard that not bad, not bad. So maybe not a good job, you know, uh, but I'm uh, not bad. I'll take it. So that was just a great experience being able to help out in some small way and to also continue the conversation about coaching throughout the rest of the weekend. And when we went back home and learn more from him, and I'm also happy from that particular weekend because I got to, to pair Glenn up and introduce him to Jason Murphy, Murph, from Albany CrossFit. You ever have those people in your life where you're like, "I wish this person could meet that person." You know You, you have a coworker that you wish would meet someday, someone in your family, because you think they would get along, and they remind you of, of one another. And you know, I paired those two up. And they had all kinds of great conversations about guns. You know, both of them are knowledgeable about guns. And we had great conversations about food and barbecue. And I'm just like, uh, once I got to know Glenn a little better, I'm like, you know what? I, I, I want him to meet Murph. I feel like this would be a good pairing. So that's something else that I'm happy happened that weekend was for the, the two of them to learn. And um, go back and listen to Murph's episode on the podcast if you haven't already so you know who he is if you're not an Albany CrossFit member. So that was a great weekend. And then uh, we spent kind of the, the whole next year continuing to work on Glenn's book. And I will say that during this time, there was also downtime. Glenn had all kinds of projects he was working on. He was doing camps. He was getting back into the seminar game and and teaching these seminars and Trying to start an app and he was doing podcasts left and right. So uh, the time gap between getting documents uh, from him increased. And I'll also say I was living my life as well. Um, During that time, from 2016 after that seminar to probably about 2018 ish, I really started to take a lot of athletes to competitions and to also start to implement what I was learning from Glenn in my own coaching and programming and with our barbell club. And that helped me to really learn his system so that we could talk about it in a deeper context uh, for his book. And so it's it's a kind of one of those things. It's like, okay, uh, you kind of have to live it first. So during that time, Glenn was living his life and I was living my life. And during while living my life, I was also, practicing everything we were talking about in this book from a coaching standpoint and from a programming standpoint and seeing what worked and also what didn't work with my barbell club and then talking about it with Glenn and running, you know, uh, questions by him based off of what my athletes were doing. Like, Hey, uh, uh, this person has this problem with their pull. What do you think? Uh, what, what could we change in, in our programming to get that better what should I say to her or him and just having those deeper conversations so that's what was kind of happening during that little time gap there and eventually you know into 2018 and 2019 we started to work a little bit more on the the book there and I was going out to Kansas a little more often I went out to Kansas 2017 and 18 uh, to see Glenn and work on the book in person. And the first time I went out there, uh, I'll, this is my, my, the second compliment I got from Glenn. I said, hey, Glenn, in the barbell club, I've implemented jerk steps. There's that jerk step again. But we can't really do it with a barbell. Uh, there's just too many people in the room and we don't have the space and there's equipment everywhere. So what I did instead is I had everyone hold heavy kettlebells in the front rack position. And what I found by using the heavy kettlebells is that people are less likely because you get that prompt when the kettlebell wants to fall uh, to lean forward when they land in the split position. Holding kettlebells in the front of the body is forcing people to maintain vertical posture and to have to bend the back knee a little more. So I explained this all to Glenn and that's when I got my second compliment. He goes, well hey, that, that, that's not too bad at all. Not too bad at all. I, I, I wish, kind of wish I would have thought of that. So that, that was the, the, the second compliment I got from Coach Glenn Penlay when I explained my theory on using a front-loaded uh, jerk step walk, which he had talked about doing it with a barbell, but the kettlebells was kind of something new. So he was, he was happy to hear that, and, and I got my second compliment, and that's something you can try at home as well. And we spent the rest of that weekend work or the week that I was there out in Kansas working on the book. And that's when I got to to see how Glenn lived and to learn more about who the man was. You know, it's one thing to talk to someone online or over the phone, but it's something to kind of live with them for about a week. And I got to take the whole tour around his family's fish farm. Uh, I got to see his chickens. He had many chickens. I got to meet his dog Mac. Uh, who passed away uh, a few years later. So that's when I got to meet Mac Dog, who was one of the best dogs I've ever met in my entire life. I, I love that dog. He's, he was so sweet. He was a giant dog, older dog, but at heart a puppy. And he would just lay across your feet. So if you were there working on a computer, his chosen spot was to lay on your feet and just kind of warm your feet and hang out with you. He spent the entire weekend with me just right by my side, just hanging out. So that was great experience. Got to meet Glenn's mom, got to meet his dad and other people in that area. And Fox News was on the TV all day. Uh, he would just have it on all day the, from 7 a.m. till 10 p.m. at night or 8, 8 p.m. at night when he went to bed. That Fox News was on all day. We never changed the channel. It was just the same stories over and over and over again but it was just background noise because we would be talking and working on the book. And I got to talk to him about all kinds of things, you know, politics, science, the world, the problem with people, you know, the problem with certain people out there in the world, Uh, talked about uh, animals and guns and uh, wolves and uh, eagles being used in Mongolia to to catch wolves and just youtube videos just all kinds of things just really spending time with him and and forming that friendship. So that was the first time I went out to Kansas and we got quite a bit done on the book that weekend. And then over the course of the next year, 2018, you know, trading files back and forth, continuing to work on that book, and I went back a second time because we were going to do photos. So in the fall, this is probably maybe in October of 2018, I went out there to do photos. And this was, uh, I told Glenn, I said, all right, Glenn, I'm going to bring a camera with me and uh, we're going to shoot photos. Well, we had his athlete, Addison Jones, who was on the podcast all the way back on episode seven. Check that out. We had uh, Nikki Dines and Chris LaRue, who's an American record holder, and uh, amazing athlete and weightlifter and coach himself. I need to get him on a podcast here someday. Uh, he came out and they were all gonna do uh, the photo shoot with us. So, all right, I'm gonna bring a camera. And somewheres during the time of my transit, Glenn had changed his mind on my camera and didn't tell me. And he hired uh, a kid from the local college to come out and do the photography for us. And this is a whole thing. I talked about this with Addison on his episode, but the whole thing with photos was, was tough because it's again, tough for Glenn to see. So he, and he wants to make sure that the, the demo person is in the exact precise position that he wants them to be for this photo, for the book. And it's very, very important. So he can't see. And, uh, he tortured uh, Addison. Addison was the one who was getting tortured this time because uh, Addison had to hold positions and he's got 70 kilos in his hands and he's bent over in a good morning and Glenn is trying to get him to flatten his back and Glenn is wailing away, hitting Addison on his lower back. He's like, Archer back, Archer back. And he's trying to pull his shoulders back and, oh, poor Addison. I felt so bad for Addison uh, a- after that because he was just getting put to work on these demos and, uh, Nikki and Chris definitely had an easier time of it, uh, especially when I kind of took over on the photos because we, we really didn't have a system going into this photo shoot. We're a bunch of weightlifters and coaches. We don't know how to run a photo shoot. And the kid who was shooting the photographs, he didn't have any experience because he's still in film school. So uh, he wasn't really directing anyone. It was kind of Glenn taking over, and molding people into the position and, and yelling at people. And it was super hot. And Glenn's new dog, Lucky, was getting underfoot and barking all the time. And it was just uh, it was just pure chaos in, in the gym for this photo shoot. But it was it was super funny as well. And credit to, to Addison. After demoing so many movements, he still trained. There was still training to be done. And Glenn coached him during his training session, and I got to watch Addison Lift, which if you've never seen Addison Lift before, go look on his Instagram page or on YouTube and you'll find some videos probably. Uh, he is definitely one of the best American weightlifters we have. He is super strong, he is so athletic and it's just, I love to watch him lift. and he's just a great guy as well. so go check out Addison but he lifted and they were going, I think they went for some PRs. So imagine demoing in a photo shoot with heavy weights all day in a hot hot Kansas gym with no air conditioning or fans, and then still having to do your full snatch and clean jerk session. And then he may have done some squats too. That's just part of being a weightlifter. Uh, And that's Glenn Penlay too. It's like, we, we, we still got to train like, like the demos isn't training. That was just a, that was just something that we were doing. Now we still have to get in that training. We're not taking a day off or anything like that. So that was just pretty cool to watch all that uh, play out and go down and watch him coach Addison and see Addison respond to the coaching and going for PRs and just being in front of someone who's doing those types of lifts. So that was that trip and I brought my camera out with me and I was disgruntled about my camera because I like to travel on a plane with one, one bag and I couldn't fit the camera in my bag. So I had to take it on a separate bag and do it as a carry-on. And so I, I, I carried this camera bag with me all the way from Albany, New York to different airports on delays because my flight got delayed several times. That was one of the worst parts about trying to travel out to Kansas is I always got stuck in the Chicago airport every single time it was going to be like a six or seven hour layover uh, because the plane didn't work or something like that. And I was going to be getting into Kansas now instead of 7 p.m. I was going to be getting in at 1 a.m. And then Glenn and his mom would still have to come and pick me up. So I get out there and I find out that there's this kid, Micah, and he's got his camera. And I brought this thing out there all for nothing and whatnot, because he he didn't tell me and whatnot. He just made, made, made a decision and went with it. But you know what? Again, He's coach Glenn Penlay. He's the boss. I'll just take the camera back with me and whatnot. But I wasn't happy about it at the time. And I'm still a guy apparently disgruntled about it. So that was the second time I went out there and got to meet Addison, Nikki, and Chris. And, and we did the photo shoot and we did more work on the book. And, and you know what, too? Uh, that trip, I, I thought that we were done with the book leading up to that trip because we had done final edits And I had combed through the entire manuscript from start to finish, making sure everything was cohesive and formatted, everything like that, and ready to send to the publisher. And on the phone, we had talked about it and we were like, okay, the book is done. Celebration. This is great. We just need to do photos and then we're done. And I had printed at FedEx uh, uh, the whole manuscript with a large font and I put it in a binder and I sent it to Glenn ahead of time that way he could kind of review it and maybe it would be easier for him to read on paper than the computer screen and make little edits on pen and i would make those updates and boom we'd ship it off to the printer or to the publisher and i arrive in kansas and he's he had he's like nope um i didn't read it and i was looking through the document and i made a google doc and i feel like things are missing and we need to restart. And I was like, Oh no. All right. So more delays, we need to restart. And what had happened was he had read in the Google doc one specific chapter and he felt like something was missing and he didn't realize that the topic that he felt was missing was just in another part of the book. Um, So what happened was, he, we were working together and he's telling me this new concept that was missing somehow from the book. And he's like, I can't believe we left this out, you know, talking about, it was talking about back squats and talking about strength and the percentages and the Pennley cycle and all these other things. And also a little bit into the Texas method. So he's like, I can't, I cannot believe this is not in the book. This is, we got it. We got to fix this. So we start writing. And at some point, the the content starts to sound familiar. And I'm like, hey, wait a minute. This is in the book. It's just in a different chapter. And then we figure that out and we'd already spent a couple hours rewriting all of this and almost restarting to write the book from the beginning again. And that's just a product of, you know, not being able to read the entire document at once. And this is something that like, that you and I take for granted, you know, like we can look through a document and go find something, but Glenn wasn't able to see the document. And if he's reading it on his computer, it's because it's been blown up to 70 plus font and a document again, that was like 50 pages is now like 150 pages. So, so we had several instances of that. It was kind of going back and forth and reworking things. And eventually we got it back on track in the winter of 2019 and this is when I was finally able to convince him to do what I talked about at the beginning of the show was to get on the phone and I'll read line by line starting from the very beginning of the book and he'll hear what I'm saying and follow along on his end with the blown up font size and if there's something needs to be changed he'll tell me to change it and that's when um, uh, uh, we, we started to go through with that process and it worked out very, very well. And I'll just say right off the bat, it, it was an incredible honor. And I'm forever grateful to have had the opportunity to read coach Glenn Penley, his book from cover to cover. And it's something that gets to me from time to time. And I think about it often is that he'll, he'll never get to hold it, you know, and that's, it's very frustrating for me to think about that, that He'll, he'll never be able to see the finished product and have that feeling of it being completed. But I'm at least happy he was able to to hear it, you know, um, several times through narration uh, and, and kind of get a feel for what the whole thing would have been. So that that's uh, something I'm forever grateful to have had the opportunity to do was to read him that book several times as we kind of combed through it making changes and edits and furthering the discussion on what the content should be and what the organization should look like within it. But we went through that process and uh, some, some funny things that stick out in my mind is that doing it in Google Docs, uh, it shows you the name of the, the other person or people in the Google Doc with a little flag. So there would always be a little flag and it said Glenn Penley. And as he would be looking through it, I would just see this little flag slowly inching its way across my document as he was going through it. And sometimes though, uh, he he wouldn't be clicking throughout the document, he would just scroll up and down. And that's where we would kind of get lost. And we would be at different stages of the document at different times. And what would happen would be, I would be reading a paragraph and I would maybe get several paragraphs into a section. And then he would stop me. And he would stop me in the way that you would stop someone who is about to run a red light, you know, in a car or run through a stop sign. All of a sudden I would be reading, and then he would cut me off very abruptly, and he'd go, Whoa, 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 whoa. Stop, 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 stop. Change that to this or remove the and and so he would make this whole big scene stopping me every single time and then we would go to change things and sometimes again we'd be off track on where we were he would still be on paragraph one and I'd be on paragraph three and he wouldn't stop me I would just keep reading and I'd be like what do you mean change the like, like he's like there's two thes we said the the snatch it needs to be just the snatch and i'm like i don't i don't see it i don't know where you're at and then i would figure out that he's all the way back at the beginning so i'd have to go back there change that and then start reading again from the point that we just changed so again it was it was a slow process but you know i'm i'm so grateful to have spent that time with him and it was just funny the way he would stop me and he would also if he was in a it depended on the mood. It, it was always well, which Glenn Penley was going to pop on today. We would talk every single day at 8 a.m. his time, 9 p, 9 a.m. my time, and I didn't know if I was going to get playful Glenn or grumpy Glenn or talk about something else, Glenn, because sometimes he would pop on and we would just talk about the news or we would we would talk about anything other than the book, you know. And and again, it's like we would talk he he talked me into reading the book by Howard Bloom, The Lucifer Principle, which if you've never read that before, highly recommend you do. Uh, um, it was a great book. I might actually read it again. It was so interesting. But he, he would talk to me about that book. We would talk about the text that we were reading in there. He told me to re- read Atlas Shrugged, which I still need to do. It's on my to-do list. Uh, Guns, Germs, and Steel, all these books that he told me to read, read, and he would tell me what the topics were. And we would just get into these long discussions. And next thing, you know, an hour went by and he had to go coach and I had to go to work and we'll work on the book tomorrow, you know, and this is, you know, that's just part of living life. Like we didn't realize that there was, you know, the time was coming to an end eventually, you know, you, you, you don't think, you, you don't think about how short life is and you just live it. And you know what, I'm, I'm glad we at least lived it and spent that time together, but maybe there'd be some day where it'd be playful Gr- playful Glenn or grumpy Glenn who would hop on and I would listen to what he would have to say about a topic. So let's say he was talking about, um, let's say he was talking about uh, high poles and using high poles in complexes, which we talk about that in in the manuscript. And he would tell me, his, uh, his thoughts on it and I would take notes on a word pad and then he'd be like, okay, uh, now put that in paragraph form in a way that makes sense. And this is where it comes into play on knowing weightlifting yourself and having experience writing. i will be okay, I gotta take his words and take these bullet points and turn this into a paragraph or two and then we'll read it again and we'll slowly refine it into being what he wants it to be for the book, so I would do that. I would I would be maybe about ten minutes later or so. I would come back and I'd be like, "Well, how about this?" And I would read it to him. And depending on the Glenn penalty that I got for the day, he might be, "Well, all right, not not too bad, not not too bad. Let's change this or that." You know, he'd be nice about it, or he'd be like, "Oh, oh, that's just god awful. That's just that's just horrendous. We we need to change all of that. I don't know what." what we're talking about now. And he would just go on and on about how it, w- it just wasn't, wasn't good enough. You know, and this is, uh, you know, And he's coaching me up. He's like, ah, well, you know, like, like, like you, you shouldn't write like this, you, this, that, you know, he's very well-spoken, very well-written. And also part of the problem too, is that both Glenn and I were, we are wordy writers. It, it, we use a lot of words when typing to get our point across. So whittling some of that down together was also a challenge. So there was one time where I read him back a section in the book. And I had a a, a slightly grumpier Glenn Penley that day. And he went on and on. He's like, oh my goodness, this is the worst thing I've ever read or heard in my life. Who wrote this? This is horrendous. This is just God awful. We need to change all of it. This is going to take the entire rest of the session. Just all this stuff going on and on. And then when he was done, I'm like, Glenn, you wrote that. This was you. Because it was something from the maybe the original manuscript that he sent me all the way back. So I was like, I got him. I finally got him. I'm like, Glenn, you wrote that. And the whole time he thought when he was going off on his dramatic you know a, a lecture to me um, he thought I wrote it, and I'm like, no, you you wrote it and he's like, "Oh, oh, well then we we, sh- we should probably change that. we should change that all right let's all right, let's start from the beginning. Read it back to me, James and I'm like, all right, all right, yeah, I got you, I got you so I, I at least got him once throughout that that whole thing so we're that's two th- early two thousand and nineteen. We're working on the book, and then in mid July, he tells me. Uh, that he's been diagnosed with stage four metastatic cancer, and he's going to start treatments. And, you know, he was maybe sounding, uh, you know, a little concerned, a little nervous, you know, at the beginning when he first told me, but let me tell you, he he didn't waver too much. Uh, and really, he told me at the beginning of our session, just dropped the bomb on me that he's got this, this cancer, and he doesn't know how much time he has left. And then Time to get back to work. And I'm just like, whoa, like you're just gonna gloss over that, you know, and we're just gonna go right back to reading your book. And and but that's that's how Coach Glenn Penley was. We got work to do. Like this book needs to get done, and he wanted to get it done. So we kept going. And there were harder days, especially when he started up his his cancer treatment. You know, there'd be days where he was feeling a little weak. It was very difficult to talk and we might have to stop a little early, you know, and, and the, the one thing that I'm appreciative of is that continuing that process, um, I feel like helped to keep some normalcy. You know, we had been meeting pretty much every day for that entire year up to that point, so that normalcy and that routine, I, you know, I, I hope helped him in, in some way, um, and, and we just kept it going for as long as we could. And of course, there'd be days where he just couldn't, you know, uh, because of the medication or he had a doctor's appointment and he had had to go. Um, and, you know, right up till his his final days, he was still going. And, you know, I'm not sure how many people know this, but right up until the, the day before he died. Uh, so September 4th of last year, that man was in the gym coaching. He was still going to the gym to see if he could help athletes get a little better and to put another kilo on the bar and get a PR. And that's just something that we can all learn from. You know, weightlifting, I feel, to Coach Penley wasn't a job. You know, I don't know how many of us, if we were in that situation, would keep showing up to work unless work was our life's passion and we were obsessed with it. And we loved it, maybe maybe more than anything else. And Glenn was certainly passionate and uh, obsessed, and loved weightlifting. And he did it up until his his last day. Um, and that just shows his level of commitment. He's one of the most generous people I've ever met in my life. Um, always willing to share. Always willing to give you know, and if if an athlete needed some something, if they needed a place to stay, if they needed the shirt off his back, I guarantee you, Coach Glenn Penley would give it. And I've heard so many stories about that. And actually, uh, just a a few days after he passed, uh, I flew out to Kansas uh, for a memorial camp, the memorial camp that we all had last year, and he was supposed to be at it. So it was going to be, you know, a camp for everyone to kind of, you know, just be with him one more time. But he unfortunately passed just a few days before it. So it turned into a memorial. And, you know, it was it was nice to kind of at that point be around other people that knew him and to listen to the stories and to lift in his gym and lift kind of for him, you know. Um, but of course, we all wish that he could have been there. And, you know, I, I when I came back from the camp, uh, I, I, I got back on a Monday and I was tempted to take the whole day off. You know, uh, I got back late enough in the afternoon that I couldn't do my CrossFit classes, but I had my barbell club class, uh, at, in the evening. Cause that's not till six o'clock. And I got back in at like, maybe like four 30 or something like that. So I wasn't, I wasn't gonna be able to coach my three thirty CrossFit and I wasn't going to be able to make it. To the gym in time to do the five o'clock CrossFit class but there was still Barbell Club and here I am in mourning and sad and bummed out and thinking about things and I'm like you know what Glenn was coaching people all the way up until the last minute what would he think if I didn't go in there and teach the snatch and clean jerk and try to get people to make some PRs like I need to go in there and um, so I went in and I coached the barbell club class and I will say it, it made it better. You know, it felt better to be around my crew and to watch everyone lifting and, and doing things. And it's, it's definitely what he would have done. He would not have, you know, went home and continued to have a pity party or mourn or anything like that. So uh, I, I took, took the lesson from coach Glenn Penlay and Like I need to get my butt in there. Like now, now's not the time to feel sad anymore. Now's the time to go coach. And that's what we do. And that's what you've been taught to do. So this this book, when it finally does come out, which is going to be very, very shortly here, is the, the culmination of Coach Glenn Penley's life work. You know, I, I just had the opportunity to help him put it together. But this is all definitely Coach Glenn Penley. And I hope that, you know, since he's not, here with us anymore that this book helps a lot of people when it comes out. And I, I'm certain it will. It's it's phenomenal, um, the text that we have put together in there and what it's going to do for people. And it's going to help accomplish his goal of having a resource, especially for beginners, that he wished he would have had when he was a lifter, just starting off. So I, I really hope, and I know in my heart that this is going to help a lot of people, and I, I am grateful that it's going to help to keep his legacy alive. Because uh, he told me uh, at one of the, uh, during the Albany CrossFit seminar trip when he came out the camp, uh, to Albany uh, that he hoped that this book that we were working on would be a way for people to remember him and something that they could have to remember him by eventually when he passes away. And this is several years before he knows he has cancer, and I, I mean I think his legacy stands for itself. I think that he has accomplished so much that you know it's it, it's a foregone conclusion. People will always remember the name Glenn Penley, um, but it was interesting that he he almost didn't think that you know, and it, it's uh, it's he's always big and powerful and confident, Glenn Penley, but you know, he was also human. So he didn't know, you know, what people really thought of him or how much they appreciated him and whatnot. Um, and, and sometimes you wonder, you know, uh, have I done enough? Uh, and, and when you analyze your own work, it's always going to be a harsher critique, maybe of what other people are going to do. And, you know, I, I, I think it's, it's going to accomplish that goal that he had but his legacy also stands for himself. And I think especially if we all do our job of continuing to keep his memory alive, then we'll always have Coach Glenn Penley with us in some some way, you know. So uh, that, that's my mission is to keep talking about him, to keep talking about the things that I learned from him. I'm forever grateful for everything that he gave me and that he taught me. And for this the time that I had to spend with him And I I think that it's going to be great when, you know, again, I can't put the book in his hands, but when I can put it in his family's hand, that will be a, a, a great day. And I hope that anyone out there listening that when you're lifting in a gym that has Penley plates and Penley barbells and you see other people lifting on that equipment that you realize that coach Glenn Penley wasn't just a brand name, but he was, you know, the, the, the greatest American coach to ever live. And one of the greatest coaches in, in the world and how much he contributed to the sport of weightlifting. And it, you know, if you could tell people about that too, say, Hey, you know, you're lifting on some Penley plates. Those are great plates. You know, he was a coach, you know, like keep, keep his memory alive. I think that's, that's everyone's job right now. And I'm going to miss him terribly. And again, I'm super grateful for everything that has come out of this. And it's uh it's almost finished in the sense of uh, his his book, that part will finally be finished, but the work has just begun again on continuing to preserve his memory. And I, I just can't believe it's been a year since he's passed. It's uh this has been a year that has just absolutely flown by for many reasons. And that's also just one thing that I'm continually continually reminded of is that you know, when these memories pop up, they also remind me that he's not around anymore. So anyways, I'll stop rambling now. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Uh, keep your eyes open for when the book comes out later this fall. And again, I'll continue to share stories and other things. This is just kind of uh, the, the inner workings of how we put this book together and some stories that I had with, from my time spent with Coach Glenn Penley. Uh, if you uh, enjoyed this podcast. Make sure you head on over to Instagram and follow The Barbell Strikes Back. Follow me, James A. McDermott. Uh, make sure you head on over to iTunes and Apple Podcast. Leave a five-star rating. Leave a positive review. Thank you so much again for listening. Until next time.